I have in my hot little hands here the very first message ever preached to New Covenant Fellowship. Uh, February the 5th, 1984. And so um, my wife said, you better put that aside. And uh, it was called Building and Battling. Uh, and we had gone on a retreat, several of us in the group uh, that were meeting in Holmes, and Riley Bridgman had a word from the Lord in Matthew 16, verse 18. And it said uh, in that passage that the Lord was going to build his church upon the rock. Building on the rock. Have you heard that before? Ah, 40 years later, next month, January the 29th, it will be the anniversary of this church building on the rock. Isn't that amazing? So I, uh, I want to bring to you a message very briefly. Uh, actually, I'm kind of a hands-on person. I'm surprised I'm not down there on the floor. And uh, we have done some unique things over the past few years to get everybody's attention. One day people came in and all the chairs on this side were turned and faced toward the center. All the chairs on this side were turned and faced the center. And we had in the center aisle a table with a communion table. And I thought, if you're going to take communion, you need to know that you're a family and you need to look at each other. They all have bug eyes. <laughs> Speaking of bug eyes, I preached a message one time. And a lot of people, is anybody here asleep? And a lot of people would go to sleep and, and I remember getting punched here. And so I had historically said, uh, let me see your eyeballs up here. And one day I said, let me see your eyeballs up here. And two young ladies sitting where Eric and his daughter are sitting, they held up eyeballs. <laughs> I cannot tell you how delightful it has been over the years to be a part of what God is doing here 40 years later. So um, I, want, I love this song in Christ alone because that's what I want to talk to you about. This has been a very difficult year, but it's nothing compared to what's ahead of you. What is ahead of you is going to be a very, very uh, alarming year. So I want to help you to know that in order to um, weather the storm, stay close to each other and have faith in God. And, and I want that faith in God to be in Christ alone. Last week, I had the privilege of sharing some stories of grace as we uh, lit the Christ candle. And I, I shared then on May 14th, I woke up around 1.50 in the morning. I couldn't breathe. Have you ever had that situation where you couldn't hardly breathe? My wife called 911. I was taken to the Farmville emergency room. I was intubated. They put that tube down. I went out 
I, it was dark for three days. Finally, on the third day, they took this tube out and I could see the light. I had been in the darkness, then I could see the light. Seven days later, I left the hospital. I had been in darkness all that time. My wife, daughter, and Lisa, and uh, my son came up from Kentucky. They came to the hospital and became caretakers. And I had received a gift from God, that tremendous compassion of family. Now, I want to digress and say, a year ago, God tried to get my attention. I had a dream in the middle of the night. The dream was, you have a book on your shelf, go and get this book, and it was called Absolute Surrender. So I go back to sleep, I wake up, and I ask Mary, do I have a book on the shelf here called Absolute Surrender? And she said, yes. She went and got the book. I thought, my goodness, God spoke to me pretty clear. And has he ever spoke to you like that? In a dream? Gave you a message? Something for you to do? I hope so. Because I think that's what's going to take place. He tried to get my attention. Well, you know what I did? I just kind of set it aside, scanned it a little bit, tried to figure out something, something that was being said to me. But I really didn't read it very thoroughly. Now... October the 25th of this year, you can write that down, October 25th of this year, I wake up in the middle of the night again. And I hear three distinct statements. And this is what I promised to share with you this week. Number one, God spoke to me and said, I will supply all your needs. I'm going to talk briefly about these in a moment. That's right out of Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your needs according to his what? Riches in glory. Number two was, if you separate the precious from the worthless, Jeremiah chapter 15. If you do this, you'll be my spokesman. Now, I want you to know that your greatest need, if he's going to supply all your needs, is Jesus, Christ alone. I don't, some of you I very, uh, well, I just don't know you personally. But as I look out, a lot of people either recognize that Paul's not going to be here or uh, they're ill, or the holidays has caught up with you. But I want you to know, if you're here without Christ, you've never said yes to Jesus. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. And there's a difference that I, I invite you to come and talk with one of these elders. Talk with Sam or talk with Corky, because you might be like me. You might, be, be, you might lose your breath and not wake up like I did. Uh, the Roman road, anybody here know the Roman road? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the Roman road. Oh, you have. Okay, good. Uh, at, the, at the end of that Roman road, I always ask this question. Do you know John 1, 12? 
to as many as to him, he gave the right to become children of God. And that, you can turn to 1 John chapter 5. If you know, if you have the Son, you have what? You have life. If you don't have the Son of God, you don't have life. If you, if you have the Son of God, you have life. If you don't have the Son of God, you don't have life. Settle it this, this morning or this season that's almost over. He is the way, the truth, and the what? And the life. The Apostle Paul preached this, Christ and Him crucified. You know what? God's a jealous God. I found out out in Matthew chapter 22 when he said, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your what? Mind, soul, and strength. I asked the question, how am I doing with that? I once asked the Lord, I said, well, I talked to him, I said, Lord, uh-oh, uh, Lord, I want to trust you with all my heart and lean not into my own understanding. And you know what the, the response I got back was? You can trust me. The question is, can I trust you? Isn't that an awesome question? For God to say to me, can I trust, can He trust me? When this church first started, we used to stand on a stage like this and call for the elders. Did you see the worship team up here praying? That was awesome. The elders used to come and stand up and pray for me or whoever was speaking, and it was something like this. Lord, if you don't show up, nothing of eternal significance will not take place. So come Holy Spirit, anoint us with your power the power of your love, the power of your grace, and the power of your word. I thought, I could trust him, but can he trust me? So the second question he asked was, um, if, 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 if you separate the precious from the worthless, That word worthless means vile. It means ugly. Um, Lord, would you open up the eyes of our hearts? First John chapter 2, Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is what? Lust of the eyes? The lust of the flesh and the boastful pride of life. I said, oh my goodness. And later on it said, if you love the world, the world will not know you. For all that is in the world is not of God. So I thought, well, maybe we need to think in terms of getting rid of some worldly stuff. Getting rid of worldly things. 
I went to a restaurant recently, and uh, as I sat down to, to uh, eat my meal, I looked over, nobody was talking. What were they doing? Huh? <laughs> we're losing it. We're losing it as a body of people who love God. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Mary and I were recently convicted, both of us, that we had expectations. Because when it says, do not love, watch out for the boastful pride of life, we were very, very prideful. Let me tell you what God convicted us of. And I'm almost done. What God convicted us of was this. We had expectations of wanting our children to love us, to respect us, to honor us, to accept us. And all of a sudden it dawned on us, hey, we're asking them to do something for us that only God can do. And we had to repent because our expectations was putting a heavy millstone around their neck. And I recognize it's only Jesus. Only Jesus can meet those needs. So I've decided this would be a year of reaching out and, to, and writing to them, encouraging them, and expect nothing in return. You think I can do that? Oh, ho, ho. What does the Lord require of you? Micah 6, 8. Do what is right. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. Now, if you read Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's 29 through 32, he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Put aside anger and resentment and bitterness and all those things and forgive. And I once preached a message that the greatest hindrance in the church of today, several years ago, was unforgiveness. If there's anybody in here that has odd against each other, you better get it settled today. Say, oh my gosh, I was wrong. I didn't have the right attitude towards you. Please forgive me. Now I hope this message goes out from you because that's what we're called to do, to be his witnesses. You know, there's seven things God hates. Have you ever read those in Proverbs? One of them is, if you lie, number, there's another one called a haughty spirit. And then there was another one. You know these, don't you? 
What'd you say? Sowing discord. Sowing discord. Not being right related. This may be the shortest message you've ever heard. <laughs> In Him we live and have our being. In Him we live and have our being. Don't you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God dwells in you? One time I came to the church and um, Corky, bless his heart, somebody didn't show up for Sunday school. And uh, he said, you got anything to say, Kirk? I stepped right up. Because God had already implanted in my heart the word of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding. When I went to seminary to get my master's in counseling, one of the assignments was read the Bible every, every book five times. Read the book five times. Every book. And at the end of those 66 books times five, I realized I didn't know as much as I thought I did. But I want to say to you as I close this message, it's Christ alone. Get to know Him. Read what the Lord said. You're supposed to be baptized in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and be taught everything that the Lord has said. Take time to have alone times with Him so that you will be prepared for what's coming ahead in Christ alone. Teach your children, your family. Don't allow this to become a distraction and keep you from knowing Jesus Christ alone. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand again before your people and recognize that we're building on the rock, recognizing that it's you. It's, this place is because of you. Father, thank you for sending your son this great gift of Christmas. Thank you, Father for, and Jesus, for sending back the Holy Spirit that we would be able to guide through the, the Word of God and know the truth. And it would set us free and keep us free. But Lord, write it on our hearts in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I could go on and on. <laughs> I got lots of stories. <laughs>